Today, for our daily devotion, we will be looking at one verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. And I want to tell you why you should pay attention and why you should not be playing a game on your computer on a different screen while you're half listening to the devotion. Uh, this verse gives us clear orders from our commander. You know, some passages are very theological and they're more about shaping our belief system and our view of reality. Uh, this is a clear verse that gives something that we need to do. So we're going to need to respond obediently to what this verse says. So you're going to need to pay attention. It's not going to take a lot of time, but it's going to be important. So let's uh, dive in after I pray for us, for God to speak to us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you have been using it to shape our understanding of reality and to bring us close to you and to mold us as Christians. We're going to read this verse and I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, enable us to respond and convict us of any ways that we are not uh, aligned with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 for today's daily devotion. First, it begins with our motivation before it gives us what we are to do. It says, since we have these promises, beloved. So that's just the beginning of the sentence. He's, he's basing what he's about to ask us to do on the fact that we have some promises from God. What promises is he talking about? They're the promises listed from the, the Old Testament quotation just before this verse, the ones that Steve shared with us yesterday during the daily devotion. Hi, Glennis. 7 a.m. on Friday in New Zealand. Well, good morning to you. It is 3 p.m. in Charlotte, North Carolina. So let me read those promises to you that form the motivation for the command that we're about to receive. God promises that he will make his dwelling and walk among us. He promises that he will be our God and we will be his people. He promises to welcome us and he promises to be a father to us and that we will be his children. You can sum these promises up in that God promises to his people, those who are in Jesus Christ, that one day he is going to dwell among us, that we're going to live together with God like a father living with his children. That's the promise. And remember, with God, a promise is a fact. If I make a promise, I may or may not be able to come through, depending on circumstances that are beyond my ability to control. Um, often when my kids will ask, can we do this next week? I'll say, I don't know the future because I hate to say yes and then something come up and it turn out that I can't come through. But God does know the future, and there is nothing outside of his control. So when he makes a promise, it's as solid as a fact. As sure as the sky is blue, God is going to live among us, those who are in Christ, like a father with his children one day. Now, if you're like me, that, if we're real honest, can be so remote that it's difficult to connect with. And it's not that we don't believe it, it's just difficult to really wrap our minds around that. Like, what is that gonna mean and what is that gonna look like? And so it's difficult for that to have any real meaning 
in our day-to-day life. And I, I completely understand that if you feel that way, because I kind of struggle with that too. It's so difficult for me to visualize that I can kind of put it on a shelf in the back of my mind of just, you know, this is true. I'll, I'll understand it when the time comes, but for now it, it almost seems irrelevant to my day-to-day life. But here Paul indicates that it is not irrelevant. It is an important motivator for the command he's about to give us. So to try to get our minds in the right headspace here, imagine that your phone rang right after this daily devotion. Your phone rings, and it's me. And I say, hey, um, uh, Denise. Denise just joined us. I'll use her as an example. Hey, Denise, it's Matt. Uh, The deacons and deaconesses and I have decided that even though coronavirus is going on, we want to go around and see all of our people. And we're going to be at your house to come in and visit with you in 15 minutes. See you then. What would you do for the next 15 minutes if you got that call? Well, nine out of 10 of you probably would start cleaning. You would you would go around, you would clean the bathroom, you would empty the trash, you would clean up the clutter, you would kind of clean yourself up because, you know, during coronavirus, maybe you're still in your pajamas. Our instinct when we know that we are about to have some kind of company come o- over is to, to clean up. And that's exactly what God is going to ask us to do now in light of these promises. So let's, let's look back at the verse. Since we have these promises that God is going to dwell among us as a father with his children, let us cleanse ourselves from what? from every defilement of body and spirit. So, you know, if you're if you're to clean up your house before the deacons and deaconesses and I show up, it's probably going to be physical things and ma- mainly you're going to be working on the appearance of things. Here we see the terminology isn't talking about the appearance of things, it's talking about the essence of things. This word, uh, cleanse yourselves from every defilement. Defilements are um, contaminants, pollutants. Uh, it's, it's the, the analogy needs to shift from cleaning a house to the way you clean water before you drink it. At our house, we have a, a Brita filter that stays in our refrigerator. It's a, a canister. It's got a handle and a, a tank in it, and you uh, put it under the tap, and you pour tap water into the top of it, and there's a reservoir there. And before it can go down into the bottom area, there's a filtration, a filter that it has to go through. And that is cleansing the water. It's removing the defilements. It's removing the contaminants and the pollutants from it. That's more the idea this passage is getting at. Not that we should straighten up our appearance because God is one day going to live with us as a father with his children, but that we should cleanse and purify the essence of of who we are, both bodily, physically, and spiritually, both the tangible and the intangibles. Um, I think that we all understand what he's asking us to do here. I don't think I really need to belabor the language. I think we know what he's asking us to do. And if God has listened to my prayers in preparation for this devotion, um, I think that if we will just pause here and each of us ask God to search our lives, our bodies, our spirits, our hearts, 
our motives, our desires, and reveal to us any defilement that we need to cleanse, any uh, contaminant, any pollutant, I believe that he will show us that as Christians. Now, this passage doesn't tell us what to do with those. And perhaps you're already feeling the Holy Spirit begin to convict you of some sin that's in your life that you need to cleanse. Um, How do we do this? How do we cleanse ourselves? This passage doesn't say, so I want to, as we wind down the devotional time, and we, we really want to respond to this, I want to read 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. 1 John chapter 1, beginning at verse 7, says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what do we do to cleanse ourselves in light of these promises that one day we will be living with God as children, living with our Father? It's pretty simple. If you are a Christian, if you're in Christ, all you have to do is ask for God to search your heart and convict you of any sin that may be in your life right now, unrepentant, ongoing sin, and then confess that to him and to anyone that you've sinned against. To confess means to say with, confess, say with God. You're not telling him anything he doesn't know. You're saying with him, I recognize that this is sin in me. Will you please forgive me? And then also the Bible teaches we need to confess to those we've sinned against. If it's a sin against another person, we need to tell them, I've sinned against you in this way. Will you please forgive me? And then in Jesus, there's no condemnation. There's grace and mercy and forgiveness. And we receive that forgiveness. And we go and sin no more, as Jesus said. We repent. We turn away from that. And we embrace the the alternative good. So if the sin we're struggling with is gluttony, we confess that to God. I, you know, During coronavirus, I've been seeking comfort in food and overeating and trying to satisfy my, my boredom or my uh, anxiety with food in a way that's not honoring to you and not healthy for me. So I confess that sin to you and I receive your forgiveness. And I ask you please to help me to put that off, put off the gluttony and instead embrace moderation and generosity and self-control and discipline. Would you please help me to do that? Or if it's greed um, and jealousy and envy and all that batch of sins, uh, it's the same same process. If God convicts you of that, you just pray to him and say, God, I, I confess to you the sin of greed and envy and jealousy that I'm just eating up with uh, covetousness, a dissatisfaction with what you've given me and a, a overly strong desire for more and more and more and pray that you would forgive me and help me to put that off and re- turn away from that and instead be generous and content and uh, grateful, all those alternative goods, embrace those instead. That's the, that's the process of cleansing ourselves of every defilement of body and spirit. Martin Luther, uh, in the 95 Theses that he nailed to the 
the door, wrote in, in it that Jesus willed the entire life of Christians be one of repentance. This is just daily, just like you brush your teeth, just like you wash your hair, just like you, you use soap in the shower, you wash your hands and sing happy birthday five times or whatever they recommend. We need to do this daily to let God ex- examine us and cleanse ourselves because our flesh is always creeping up and our sin is always creeping up on us. And we want to stay clean because we are preparing to live with our holy and glorious Father for all eternity. And that's how the verse kind of ends. And we'll read the entire verse now. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So just a brief theological aside here to make sure we understand uh, this is all. This all has to do with the theological term called sanctification. That's the that's uh, being set aside as holy, as a saint. Um, that is done positionally and permanently in Jesus Christ when you become a Christian. So when you first accept Jesus and are forgiven of your sins and adopted as God's child, positionally, you are sanctified and you are holy. When God looks at you. He sees Jesus's perfect holiness, but practically you're not holy completely yet because you've got to undergo this lifetime work of cleansing yourself of sin. Your your flesh clings on, and you and I both know that even though positionally we are holy as Christians, practically we're still riddled with unholiness. And so we, we daily need to cleanse ourselves of every defilement like this. Um, I, I call it becoming who you are. So I've heard teachers put it that way in the past, and it's always stuck with me. Uh, you're not earning your way to salvation. You're already saved. Now you're just becoming the person God knows you to be now, the, God, the person God has recreated you as. You're becoming who you are. So some of you are sensing conviction of the Holy Spirit even right now as I speak because You are a Christian and you have sin in your life that you need to confess. What I want to encourage you to do uh, when we get done here, after I have some time for questions and comments, and you turn off your phone or your computer, don't go immediately to distraction or you're back to work. Um, Don't try to stuff down that conviction or don't set it aside and say, well, I'll come back to that and pray through that later. Don't try to justify yourself. Um, don't try to compare yourself to others and say, well, I'm not as bad as they are, so it's fine. If the Holy Spirit's convicting you of sin, that is his grace toward you because he loves you like a father loves his children. And he wants to help you cleanse yourself of that sin. He wants to help you set that aside and be free from it. Confess it to him. Receive that free forgiveness through Jesus Christ and ask him to help you repent and change. And he will do that.